grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series called Family Matters with the focus today on parenting. If you're new to parenting, raising kids is scary stuff. What if I mess up? What if they mess me up? Even if your kids are grown, you could still mess up. Pastor Sean will talk about that, plus what the Word says on discipline. The Bible is rich on advice to flourish as parents. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today it's part two of the message called Parents Matter. Pastor Sean has some wisdom from Ephesians and Proverbs. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. When we start talking about discipline, we're teaching, Lori and I are teaching a parenting class, real life parenting right now. Every one of us wrestles with the idea of discipline. And I shared with them something that for me, I've observed, I've watched families over the years. I experienced this personally as a youth pastor before I was ever a dad. And then I experienced it as a dad. And it is, you know, it is a powerful spiritual dynamic that I don't think you can beat that has almost a magical effect when it comes to discipline. And it is this. Begin with love. Begin with love. And when I say love, I am talking about obvious, sloppy love. You know, we know that love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. But I'm talking about the kind of love that is super obvious, delight. It is love expressed. You laugh at their jokes because you think they're hilarious. And you're like, but I am sorry, my child is not very funny. I'm I'm worried about that. I don't know what I would have done if either Lauren or Ryan had not been funny. I, I... But it doesn't matter. When I was a little kid, I made up jokes for my mom. And they were the dumbest things anybody ever said. Mom, guess what? You know, here's a joke. You know what's red? What? Spaghetti sauce. Ha <laughs> ha! And she'd laugh like it was the funniest thing in the world. Later on, I told her, Mom, those weren't funny. You weren't helping me. You were crippling me. <laughs> but I knew she just liked me. She liked hanging around with me. When I'd get up in the morning, she was glad to see me. We wanted to make sure, Lori and I, when our kids were little, when they were babies, and they're so cute when they're babies, there's that wonderful stage, we would literally, we'd, we'd, you know, and maybe you parents have done this, we'd hear them start making noise in the crib in the morning. We're up, having coffee, we'd hear them start making noise, we'd look at each other, and we run to try to get there first. And we're pushing each other in the hall, you know, it looked like roller derby or something. Wow, that's an obscure reference, roller derby. Okay. But we're running through the hall, pushing each other, shoving, and we get to the bedroom because you want to pick that baby up because there's the good stuff. What do they do when you pick them up? They curl. They do that little curl, that baby curl. And, and then they come and they nestle in you. Mmm, that's the best stuff of the day right there. That's the sweet stuff. And you want to get all that, right? We'd always share. We'd save a little bit and then hand them to the other parent. But that baby knew, those babies knew we were stoked that they were up. We were happy to see them. Every day of their lives, they woke up to someone who was glad they were there. And really, taking interest in what they take interest in, even if it doesn't interest you. Hanging out with them, having fun, watching TV shows that they like, getting into the jokes that they enjoy. Just letting them know, I'm crazy about you. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about love. That combined with, then, discipline. And what I mean by discipline is clear, firm, even stern discipline. That combination right there, that sloppy, you know I'm crazy about you, 
See, what that does is this here absolutely changes the nature of this here. It changes this. This it will never be the same once this is established. Because now, even if they don't like it, because, you know, even the Bible tells us discipline isn't fun. For the moment, it is not fun. It isn't. But when this is clearly established and is the foundation, there's so much more openness and there's a recognition that even if they don't like it, even if they don't even agree with it, they know mom and dad love me. They're crazy about me. They love being around me. And they're doing this because they want, they want to help me. They want to train. That combination is powerful. Proverbs nineteen eighteen says, Discipline your son, for in that there's hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Do you realize how serious this is? Parents who think, oh, I don't want to discipline. I don't want to hurt our relationship. You are being party to your child's death, the scripture says. Second passage, Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your son. He'll give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. It's this idea of discipline. It's this idea of boundaries. Here's where you can go. Here's where you can't. We're not playing. We're going to be serious about this. Some of the things we insisted on, obedience and respect. Obedience and respect. I, I love the question why. I love answering the question why. I asked the question why as a kid. I'm not bothered by the question why. But question why is not a way to avoid obedience. So if I say, you need to go do this, and they say, why? Well, go do it because you, that's obedience, and then come back and I'll tell you why. I'll explain it to you. I don't have any problem explaining I want them to understand why. I want them to know so that, oh, that's why. But if you're using this as a way to avoid and kind of skirt around obedience, we're going to cut through that right away. Because that respect and obedience, see, the, the world is a place we were created by God and how we respond to his authority is one of the most important things in the world. The world's a place with authority and how we respond to that authority is critically important. You see, when we teach them obedience and respect, They develop a humble and a teachable spirit which will serve them the rest of their lives. They are not the center of the universe. And this starts very young as little tiny babies. Learning that there are certain things. The minute your little darling, oh, that little curling baby who's so cute with all the sweet stuff, the minute they're old enough to look you in the face and go, no. (gasps) When the Bible says all have sinned, I didn't realize it meant my little golden child. Yes, your little golden child is a sinner. Sinner, the song Amazing Grace saved a wretch like me. Yep, them, little wretches. I don't recommend you call them that. I, I don't. Go back to the sloppy love thing. I don't, I don't recommend calling them that. But it's true. It's true of them. It's true of me. It's true of them. All have sinned. Save the little wretch like me. Save the little wretch like them. You're like, wow, that's horrible. It's true. And if we don't understand that, if we indulge that self-focused nature that we all have, They grow up believing they're the center of the universe, and that is a dangerous and a hurtful thing, and it is an epidemic among not just young people, among people in the world. See, it gets to this idea of spanking or not. Spanking or not. Some people go, oh, spanking is so unkind and so cruel. I don't believe that. We spanked, and I believe as the child grows older, that discipline will change talking spanking. And and, and when I talk about spanking, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about beating. I'm not talking about hurting. I am talking about a a measured amount of pain that is appropriate for their age. That's a definition we've we've heard in our class that we've been talking. A measured amount of pain that is appropriate for their age. You go, pain? Why would I want to call my child pain? Do you understand all discipline is pain? 
Stop, stop and think about discipline. Discipline is pain. That's what it is. If I want to discipline my diet, that means I'm not eating the bread that I want to eat. I love bread. But I can't eat as much bread that I'd like as I'd like because I don't work out enough to eat all that bread. And I'd be 300 pounds, and I don't want to be 300 pounds. And so I have to discipline. And you know when I see other people eating bread with just, you know, freedom, putting the butter on it, oh, this is good, this is good bread. Mm. And I can't, that's painful to me. When they're eating dessert freely and I can't, that's painful to me. There. Discipline equals pain. What did Arnold Schwarzenegger say? No pain, no gain. He was talking about working out, building muscle, exercise. I don't like exercise, but I have to do some exercise. It is painful. The Bible even says discipline is painful for the moment, but it yields a wonderful harvest, a wonderful fruit at the end. And so this idea of, oh, I could never cause my little darling pain. You are not helping them. You are hurting them. A measured or appropriate amount of pain, appropriate to to their age. To a little one who needs a swat on the hand because they keep touching what you told them is going to hurt them, and they keep doing it, disobeying you, and you look in their face, and you know they know they're disobeying, a little swat on the hand is a really good thing because it's better than the alternative of burning their hand on the burner. And by the way, do you know that that pain that they feel when they put, when they put their hand on the burner anyway? Because they've got to find out for themselves. That pain is a gift from God to teach them that they're not God. To teach them that some things just hurt and you've got to stay away from those. Let me tell you, touch the burner once. Game over. Don't need to worry about it again. Pain took care of that, didn't it? And now they don't damage their hand and lose use of their hand, something far worse, because there was no pain. If we didn't have pain, they'd sit there and they'd destroy their hand and lose use of their hand. Instead of, ow, and learn an important lesson. See, I think there's something in them having to realize that they're not the center of the universe. Because see, as they grow older, being allowed to indulge in that delusion, the older they go, the harder it is to burst that bubble of I'm the center of the universe. I can do what I want. And I've told you this before. Um, If you don't discipline your children now, one day someone will. People will. They're called police and judges. Right? They will. They'll use lots of time out. It's called jail. And if you don't behave when you're in time out, there'll be lots of corporal punishment. Usually tasers. In fact, last time I remember, I made the joke, you know, just remember this, parents, tasing hurts worse than spankings. Someone made me a t-shirt that says that. Tasing hurts worse than spankings. And then signed it, Pastor Sean Azar. And as I saw it, I realized I'm not really going to wear this out. Because without the context, you just, it doesn't, it loses something. Pastor Sean says, don't spank your kids, tase them. No, I do not. Pastor Sean does not endorse that. That is wrong. But the point is, if you don't discipline and train them and lovingly correct them and train them in how they should be, one day, people who just have to control them will use much harsher methods. And maybe it's not police and judges and cases. Maybe it's jobs, employers that keep firing them so they're unemployed. Maybe it's people who keep kicking them out of their apartments and leases because they won't abide by the terms of their lease. I don't know. But the fact is, they will be disciplined at some point. And it's much easier when it's done by people who love them dearly and are training them than it is 
people who don't care and just want to get them out of the way. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Parents Matter. It's in the series Family Matters, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to bless others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And another way to bless the ministry and yourself is to pick up the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion of the message, Parents Matter. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Discipline is hard, but parents that love discipline. I love this passage, Hebrews 12, 7 and 8. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? The biblical writers couldn't even imagine a father who didn't love his children enough to discipline them. If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, look at the assumption, everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and you're not true sons. God disciplines because he loves, and we should too. And let me just briefly point out the difference between discipline and punishment. And this is really important. This is what that passage is talking about when he says train them. Punishment looks back. Punishment almost has the feel of retaliation. What you did is bad, and you deserve to be punished. And by the way, that might be completely true. But it's the focus. It might be the exact same thing. It might be a spanking. It might be a grounding. It might be the loss of a privilege. The the actual act of discipline can be the exact same thing. Punishment is looking back. What you did was bad. You you don't need to do that. You're bad. Whereas discipline looks forward. And it can be the same thing. Same exact act. But discipline, the spirit, the heart behind it is, I'm training you for something better. You have a potential that is different. I love you and I want the best for you. And we're thinking forward. I'm, I'm envisioning the person who God created you to be and you fulfilling that and you kind of knocking it out of the park. That's what I'm envisioning and I'm training you to that end. Punishment is I'm punishing you for what you did, you're bad. Discipline is I'm training you for the person who God created you to be. And discipline is what we're called to. Leaders shape the world, but parents shape the future, and discipline is a part of that. Train them. And then he also said, instruct your children in the Lord. Instruct them. Abraham chose to direct his children, we were told. Deuteronomy 6, 6-9 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. I love this passage because it talks about instructing through the course of life. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. My mom took that literally. It was all over the refrigerator. 
She had just stuff on the refrigerator or on the, on the wall. A, a plaque would show up in my wall, and I hate that plaque, Mom. But it's a good scripture. Okay. Yes, it is, Mom. Yes, it is. Didn't matter because she was taking that passage of scripture and saying, we're going to have this as part of our life. And when we talk about things, we're talking about what does the Word of God say. See, it's not just taking them to church. I have had parents whose kids totally just walk away from the faith, walk away from the family, and they go, but I took them to church. That is not what this passage is talking about. Taking them to church is an excellent thing to do. It is important to have others who support your views. But, folks, it's about what we do at home. Jason Dorsey is the president of Center for Generational Kinetics. And he says that three things impact every generation. And he's a specialist talking about the different generations, the the builders, the boomers, the Gen Xers, the millennials, Gen Z. He, He studied and he talks about the differences in each of those generations. He says three things, common things, impact every generation. Parenting, technology, and geography. And as we sit sometimes helpless, well, the culture's doing this, we can't do anything. Jason Dorsey reminds us that the number one influence on kids in every generation is parents. Greater than tech, greater than school, greater than friends, greater than culture. Parents. He gives an example. He says, a lot of us like to whine about the millennials as a generation and what they're not. He says, by the way, you baby boomers and Gen Xers who love to whine about the millennials, who are their parents? Oh, that's us. He points out that millennials, and he says that the criticism, and understand, we always, bad news is, is news. Good news isn't really news, right? He says, so the negative gets all the publicity. He says, millennials aren't that cut and dried. He says, they're divided into two different groups. One group he calls the millennials, and that's the stereotypical, they, they don't want to grow up, they don't take responsibility seriously, they're, you know, all the stereotypes, looking for a safe space, checking out, all the stuff. He says, but the other group he calls megalennials, and those are the kids who are totally different, but nobody really talks about them because they're kids who are achieving, they're kids who are growing, they're kids who are, are out doing things, big things, changing the world. And he says, what's the difference? He says, you can trace the difference to the parents because they had the same tech, they had the same culture, they had the same news, they had the same media. Parenting makes all the difference in the world. These megalennials that he has observed, they were raised to be that way. They were raised to understand hard work. They were raised to understand discipline. They were raised to understand that they really can make a difference if they'll just focus themselves and do it. It's parents. And by the way, this is very good news for us because it's, we're not victims of the culture, victims of media, victims of all the stuff. No, no, this is good news. But it does put the burden on us, doesn't it? Bringing them to church is not enough. It's about how we raise them. The church is a wonderful, critical support for our parenting, and I'm so grateful. There's people all over this room and in the different services. There's just hundreds of people who have influenced my children to help them become who they are today. But the greatest influence is what happened in our home. The greatest influence on your kids is what happens in your home. What do your conversations and your behavior teach them about the Word of God, faith, church, community, relationships? What did we teach them in the course of our life? Discipleship begins at home. Discipleship, we've defined very simply as listen for God's voice and do what he says. How are we doing it teaching our kids to listen for God's voice and do what he says? See, there's instruction involved and then there's example. Because ultimately they're going to become what we are. And let me just tell you, the instruction part is is so powerful. But the example part is even more powerful. You know, we have, try to have family devotions with our kids, and we did. We, we had family devotions as a, as a family. And sometimes it was great. A lot of times it wasn't. 
because you get kids who are pretty active and pretty much hopping all over the place and say, sit down, kids, we're now going to share in the Word of God. They sometimes don't always just come in and go, yes, I've been reading this passage and I wanted to discuss it. Sometimes they don't. Mine generally did. But let me tell you, when they come home and say, hey, and they're at the dinner table, which dinners were really important at our house, we had dinner together regularly, and it was, the phones weren't out, no TV, we're sitting and we're having a conversation. And all of a sudden it's, man, I've got this thing going on with a friendship and I don't like it and it's not working. And when you sit and say, well, let's see what the Bible says about that. Do you realize all of a sudden now those devotions are really important? I've got this issue with a teacher or I've got this issue with, with a friend or whatever it is. There's, there's, when there's real life issues, it's like on the job training, it's like let someone go out, try a job and let them figure out what they don't know. All of a sudden they're all ears. Well, in the same way, if we just get in the habit of saying, what does the Word of God say about that? Then devotions start to matter. Then reading the Word starts to matter because we see the power of the Word of God applied in everyday life. We see God does speak to issues of money, of relationships, of work, all these things that we handle all the time. God's Word speaks to it. And if we make a point to bring that into our lives, when we include them, if we're taking a faith step, as a mom and dad, we're taking a faith step, and we include them and say, guys, you need to know something. We're taking a faith step right now. And here's what we're praying for. And here's why this is a little scary. You say, well, we're going to go serve at church. I don't want to go serve at church. Well, that's what we do. I didn't ask what you wanted. Did you notice that? That was interesting. I never asked what you wanted. I said, this is what we're going to go do. Because that's what we do. Eventually, they get kind of the message that, oh, okay, this is what we do. And, and seeds are sown. See, the reality, folks, is they become who we are. They become who we are. And I, I don't mean to say kids can't make decisions that take them directions we'd rather they didn't go. And they have their own free will before God. But they learn certain things without even knowing why. They learn what are our priorities, what's important. If they see that every time there's an opportunity for overtime, man, church is the first thing to go. If they see, see Christian community that we're a part of, that the, the church has been a part of since the first century because the body knew they needed to come together, worship, hear the word, fellowship together because they needed that to be full, vibrant Christians in a world that was not understanding of who they were. If they see that the first time, well, there's an opportunity for money, so out the, out the door goes Christian community. If they see, well, you know, I want to be on this sports team, well, out the door goes Christian community because this is what's important. School is what's important. Sports is what is important. Work is what is important. Money is what's important. Those priorities, they they pick that up. You're never, nobody ever sits and goes to their kids, you know, making money is more important than being in Christian community. I mean, maybe they do, but I just haven't heard them say that. But a whole lot of kids pick it up just because they saw it as an example. And I want to say that stuff matters. They learn what are priorities. What are the non-negotiables? What's first? But what are those things that you just go, we're not, this is the hill we're going to die on. We're not, we're not bending here. Spiritual growth, Christian community, Christian service, all these other priorities, they learn by just, this is what we do. They become what it's, they see and it impacts everything. Education, work, relationships, dating, marriage. See, it becomes a way of seeing the world. They have a worldview and a lens that they look at the world through. We're supposed to bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Leaders shape the world, but parents shape the future. And folks, I know this is counterculture. 
This is hard. But I just want to say it's worth it. And if you're here, and maybe you've, you feel like you've been blowing it, it's never too late to start. It is never too late to start right now and say, I am going to change the way I respond to my children. Maybe you raised your children. Maybe you're one of those people who go, man, where was this 25 years ago? Where was this idea 30 years ago? It is never too late to start dealing with your adult children the way you wish you, you, you would have. And here's a really important deal. I want you to grab this. One of the most important things you can do is if you blow it, because we all do, if you blow it, sit down with your kids and go, yeah, dad blew that. Dad didn't do that well. I overreacted. I jumped to a conclusion. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Next time I want to do that better. Will you forgive me? And don't, they, they may not jump up with joy and go, I've been waiting for you to do this. Oh my gosh, and hug you. But then begin to sow those seeds of love and consistency in who you are and see what God does. It's powerful. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series Family Matters, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.